Hello and welcome back to Kitchen Table Theology. I'm your host, Jen Denton, and we are bringing you this bonus podcast of Kitchen Table Theology revolving around Bible translations. Have you ever wondered what Bible translation Pastor Jeff uses and why? Well, he's going to jump into all of that today and more. So let's listen in and as a little bonus, let's see if Pastor Jeff can correctly pronounce the word equivalency. Well, hi again, Kitchen Table Theologians. This is Pastor Jeff Cranston with you today uh, here on this bonus podcast. And I thought I'd take a few minutes uh, for today and talk about something I get asked about on a fairly regular basis at the church where I pastor, Low Country Community Church. And the question that often arises from folks is what translation of the Bible do I use? And what translation do I prefer? Well, I I like a lot of different Bible translations, and that might be a big thing to you. Uh, some people almost live and die by the type of translation that they use. Uh, I don't, but I definitely have a preference. And I thought I'd just take, a, a like I said, a few moments and talk to you a little bit about uh, why I use and prefer the New American Standard Bible. My preference for Bible study, for preaching, for reading, is the translation called the New American Standard Bible. I use it in my personal life. Uh, I use it in my public ministry. I often consult other translations, major translations, but primarily I stick with the NASB as my choice of translation. So I thought I'd just share a few reasons uh, why I, I use and and like the NASB so much. Maybe this will be something that will help you. I hope so. And you might find a little bit of interest in it and learn something along the way here in this fairly brief podcast on something about Bible translations. Well, first reason, but uh, these aren't in any uh, particular order, but the, the first reason is uh, just familiarity. It's, it's the Bible I really began uh, to, to use when I got serious about my Christian walk. Early in my, my faith journey, when I was a teenager, uh, the church I went to used the NASB, which back then, this translation hadn't been out uh, that long, just a little over uh, a decade, really. And I still have the first uh, New American Standard Bible I ever bought, and... Uh, and I was given at my high school graduation a nice leather-bound copy, and I still use that Bible uh, on a daily basis. I have known where that Bible is every day of my life since May of 1979. So since the beginning of, um, really, I would think my conversion, I could say, I've been, I've been reading the NASB, and a lot of my early Christian life was spent poring over the pages of this translation, so I'm very familiar with it from um, my youth. It was, the, it was the Bible that I used to go through uh, Bible college uh, and, and seminary graduate school, so very familiar with it. That's one reason I still use it today. Another reason is its accuracy, and I think this, for me, this is the primary reason that I use it, and I, I, I believe there are many good, healthy um, options for a Bible translation. You know, I'm, there's just some good ones out there. 
Uh, the King James kind of set the mark back in 1611, and we've gone on from there. Uh, but there are some great Bible translations out there. But I, I really do uh, believe with all my heart that the NASB, to be among the most accurate of the Bible translations. Now, if you're listening here and you're a Bible scholar, uh, you may you know, just argue that point. But again, this is just me. Uh, and they and they the publishers of the NAS, NASB call it the most accurate translation, and I, I think they just don't do that to to sell them. But even as I interact with the biblical languages of Hebrew and Greek and Aramaic for sermon prep and, and ministry, I find the NASB to be a great translation. Little uh, little thing here about Bible translations, just a couple of ideas that maybe you're not familiar with, but I, I think it would do you well to be familiar with this. You can separate most modern Bible translations into two basic groups. The first group is called formal equivalency, formal equivalency, and the second is called dynamic Equivalency. I'm having a hard time saying that word. Formal equivalency. I can't say. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Equivalency. There you go. The formal equivalency attempts a word-for-word translation, a word-for-word rendition. And that really provides as literal a translation as possible. Dynamic equivalency is more like a paraphrase, trying to convey ideas thought by thought. So the way that it helps me remember between formal and dynamic, formal translates it more word for word. Dynamic translates it thought for thought. Now, no one language corresponds perfectly with any other language. So every translation that's out there involves some degree of interpretation. I believe that the greater degree of interpretation, the greater uh, the opportunities are to make some mistakes. So I've always wanted a translation that was as close to the original languages as we could possibly get. So a, a translation that's based on formal equivalency has a low degree of interpretation, which I think is good. Translators are trying to convey the meaning of each particular word. So... Those translators, like with the NASB, for instance, if they're faced or when they were faced, when they are faced with um, a choice between the readability of the text versus the accuracy of the text, all formal equivalency translations will sacrifice a little bit of readability for the sake of accuracy, which I really like. Uh, by its very nature, the, the other way, the dynamic equivalency translators, that requires a higher degree of interpretation. And and the goal in dynamic equivalency, um, let's say the the, uh, New Living translation, the NLT, that's a dynamic equivalent translation. Uh, The goal there is to make the Bible more readable. And so they're trying to convey an idea for idea rendering from the original language. So that means, really, somebody's got to first decide what idea is being communicated, which, you know, is the act of interpretation. 
And how translators view Scripture becomes really, really important at that point. So I think the NASB, because it is the most literal English translation we have, that leaves not much room for interpretation, which is a good thing. Another reason I really like the NASB is that it's been around for a while. It's It's been proven. It's, it's stood the test of time. Its initial publications, uh, it was being translated in the 60s, it started to be published in the 70s, and it's only undergone two major revisions since it was first published. One was in 1995, and the other one has just occurred, as I am um, recording this in 2020, there's a, a major translation out this year, or, or a major revision out this year of the NASB. Other translations have undergone numerous revisions since their inception over a much shorter period of time. Now, that doesn't mean they're not reliable, but this may speak to the longevity and type of revisionary work that goes into the NASB. They, they got it right really well out of the gate. Um, the NAS, NASB translators take that process so seriously, they work for the long haul. And so the, the translation uh, that, that I use is the NASB that was revised in 1995. Uh, there was one in 1977, uh, 95, 2020, and the 77 one is what kind of I cut my teeth on. I use that at, at home in my personal quiet time and in my own reading. But I preach and teach out of the 95 uh, revision. Another reason I use it, I mostly preach in an expository manner and preaching word by word and phrase by phrase. I really want the Bible I use to be the most accurate. I really value the precision of the translation. And, you know, I know when I see a word in, in the text, I know in the New American Standard that's the best translation possible to the English. I don't have to retranslate it in my preaching. In the 90s, I used another translation uh, for about six or seven years, and I, find my, I found myself, after doing my own study in the original languages, so often I would be reading that particular translation while I was preaching and say, here's what it says, and I would read it from that translation, and then I would have to say... I know it reads like this, but what it really should say is, and I got to thinking after a while, why am I having to do that? And that brought me back to preaching out of the New American Standard. Um, New American Standard capitalizes, uses all God's pronouns, uh, the, all the pronouns are referring to God are all, in all caps, so there's never any confusion uh, in, in those verses. Is it talking about God? Is it not talking about God? Another thing I really like about the New American Standard, as you're reading along, all of a sudden you'll see a word that is italicized. And anytime you see an italicized word, you know that word, our English word there, is not in the original Hebrew, the original Greek, or possibly the Aramaic. And that word has been inserted by the translators to make it understandable and readable in English. But you know when you see an italicized word, that wasn't part of the original uh, original language, the original writing, which really does help you to know what's 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 what. 
some of the Bibles that I use of the New American Standard to help me in my Bible studies. Uh, I use a thing called the Keyword Study Bible. I could not, if you are a serious student in the Bible, I cannot recommend the Keyword Study Bible enough. Now, you can get it in different translations. Mine, of course, is in the New American Standard. Keyword Study Bible. It underlines the keywords of every verse, and then in the back of, of the Study Bible, it hooks you up with their meanings, where else they're found in the text. Uh, it is just a tremendous tool to use. If you don't have one, I would really encourage you to get one. Keyword study Bible. Uh, the other study Bible I use, uh, I use the NASB study Bible published by Zondervan. I think it is a tremendous study Bible. And uh, you can't go wrong with that. I, I, I talk about that a little bit, mentioning it, it, mentioning it in the appendix. I think it's in the appendix of my uh, most recent book, Your Greatest Adventure, NASB Study Bible from Zondervan. I also use in the NASB translation the Ryrie Study Bible, R-Y-R-I-E, named for Charles Ryrie, who taught at Dallas Theological Seminary for decades. Another great study Bible. But there you go. Uh, I hope that will be a little bit helpful on why I use the New American Standard Bible. Thanks for listening. Hope you have a wonderful day, and I'll see you on our next podcast right here on Kitchen Table Theology. Thanks for joining us. We hope you have enjoyed today's bonus podcast. As we wrap up, let's remember that the real power of theology is not only knowing it, but applying it. Thanks so much for listening. We hope that our time together today has helped you become a better kitchen table theologian. See you next time.